Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman and Alex Garashenko, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have Andy Halko, the CEO of Incivia, a marketing agency that helps software, technology, and device companies grow top-line revenue. Welcome, Andy. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. And I, I, we were talking about this right before, but love your background. Love that you're working outside. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't join you. Didn't want to annoy the neighbors, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, hopefully, if we do another episode, I'll be outside. So, um, new order. Yeah, I, 18 years in an office, and now I get to sit out in my backyard. I love it. So maybe we'll actually, actually yeah. maybe you I'll have a, a whole setup there. It's not you're, you're not just sitting outside with your laptop. Tell us about that. Yeah, I actually. So I've got this great gazebo in my backyard. Lucky enough brought out i have a huge widescreen monitor camera mic router uh i keep it all out here during the summer uh and if it's a rainstorm i just put a towel over it so <laughs> fine we're all good wait wait it would get wet if you didn't put the towel over it could and i just do that just to have that extra extra yeah. little bit of safety because it's a nice big monitor. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so I want to start off with your coding background because the last time we spoke, you mentioned that you actually taught yourself programming. So yeah. my first question is, you know, which has been more valuable to you, learning to code and, and teaching yourself or your business degree? Oh, a hundred percent the coding. Um for so many different reasons. Like and I started out, it's always funny for folks that even remember an action script. Like I actually started out design and doing flash stuff and then taught myself action script so I could fake gravity in like cool little videos and websites and stuff. And that kind of like spun me into databases and PHP and all this stuff. And I just think there's so much from it that's valuable of just understanding the underlying technology being able to speak with folks and then even even this many years later i still like to hack and like create products and stuff yeah and and i know that your downtime you like to spend actually coding um so do you have any like projects or anything that you want to share yeah i'm weird like that like i mean other people de-stress by like doing something else but for some reason I can get in the zone of coding and it's like, Ooh, like mine just mm -hmm. kind of clears and I'm just going right. Um, yeah. I'm doing this huge thing where it kind of started out a couple months ago of like, I wanted to test playing around with integrating with AI. Um, and it's kind of turned into this big platform now that's taking a lot of the things I built over 20 years of owning a business and, doing strategic planning, taking those exercises and methodology, taking AI, and then an online platform that's scalable um, to really, I'm trying to democratize strategic planning and make it something mm. that's really easily accessible to everybody. Um, so again, it kind of turned into a pet project and now has turned into something massive. So interesting you mentioned that you were working on a couple of micro SaaS products is that is this basically the evolution of one of those it's the evolution of all of them coming together and that's really what it started out as is like micro products and then within even since the last time that we talked it's funny they were much more siloed and even in that short period of time they've become super integrated 
to a point, you know, that they just became so much more powerful. So is there this like moment where you're working on them in silos and something clicked? Yeah, I mean, that's really what it was is, you know, I was creating these simple tools to solve a problem, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to do X, like one of them's a AI persona tool. And it basically, you know, you put in your your titles and your industries and it goes out to AI and pulls in pains and motivations and buying factors and trends mm-hmm. and all this information that, you know, your target audience is interested in. And then I was doing another tool that... um was just having an interface where it would help you kind of build a brand voice um, where it would go out to AI. You could select some factors through an exercise and then it would help write messaging and describe how you would create your brand voice. And so multiple of these little tools, it was like, okay, how can I combine that? So now I'm going to take the information from the personas that I gathered and have it influence the AI for the brand voice creation. And then I'm going to take the brand voice and I'm going to influence this. And it just, these micro tools started just evolving. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I was, if you guys want to keep going. So we, we try to do like, you know, beginning, middle, and then future of marketing type or, you know, current and then future marketing. I'm, if you guys want to keep diving into this, I'm totally into it. And and we'll do kind of do the, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, okay. Did you start doing this for yourself or is this already integrated in the services that you're offering to your clients? or some beta clients. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an evolution to this. Like I had been trying to work on a persona tool uh, a while back. And I think Mm -hmm. what happened is AI opened up a new way to look at it because the old way that we had it were we were developing this tool on a completely different platform um, and it kind of failed. And the reason that it failed is there was so much manual entry that had to happen. Uh, and it was a big part of our process. Like we start out every client, like let's really understand your target audience. Like we have to know what are their buying factors. If we're going to create unique positioning, we have to know trends, the right content. We have to know pains to be able to create ad copy. Like mm-hmm. personas were a core piece and it was always like PDFs and Excel sheets so we were trying to create this tool and um, and we had other features with it, but it always kind of just fell short of being successful because it was so manual entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and AI and just chat GPT and it exploding was this like little hook that was like, wait a second, like if we just turn on the faucet of like giving the information to the folks and then they can customize it from there and so that was kind of the evolution it solves the blank page problem right exactly. like like the writer's block or the starting block it solves for that and i think we had that across the whole board like i've always wanted to do this democratizing strategy like my approach i'm very i think my programming background when i look at marketing i say how can i break this up into a logical structured process And so like when we do positioning Mm. with clients, I've created this series of exercises that you start out with, you know, this step where you're defining buying factors and then you're prioritizing buying factors on how they're used. And then you're comparing those to your competitors to figure out where the deltas. And then you take the ones where there's the greatest delta and you pull them out and you do X, 
right? Like mm-hmm. I've always been big on like developing these like very structured systems. And I think AI is now giving me the ability to do what I've always envisioned, which is make this stuff scalable, but in a way that like, it's not a user having to do everything and mm-hmm. like just the blank page problem to your point. And so I've always had this vision of like, I believe strategic planning can be scalable, can be democratized, can be easy for folks, but it's only within this last year that it really opened up to become much easier to be like a vision that's truly valuable and useful for the, for the world. That's a, that's a great use case of how to use this, this upcoming technology. Is it something that you've already started working into your processes with, with your current employees and clients or something coming up? And so we're, you know, I mean, we're making it a cornerstone of what our offerings are, Mm. you know, that, you know, part of working with us is that you really get the power of this platform that now has really cool stuff in it, like playbooks that are integrated with AI personas, competitor analysis tools. Like it's, it's become a pretty built out platform at this point. Um, But it's all about that high level strategy, because I think there's a million tools out there that execute. You can find a hundred tools to send emails, to schedule social posts. There's not much out there to help you be a better strategic thinker and planner to figure out who am I, why is that important? What should I be doing? You know, and how do I make sure that it's successful when I actually do want to execute it? And I think that's missing mm-hmm. in the marketplace. And I think this mixture of the methodologies and structures that I've created over 20 years and AI create this unique point that I can really build something that truly is that vision of democratizing strategy. Interesting. Yeah, I think once um, a lot of marketers can figure out placement, but asking the clients the right questions and getting the information that you need in order to have all the details, um, I think is is really challenging. Because you're relying on, you're going to an industry, which for a, a lot of marketers, you're going to an industry that you may know nothing about, and you're relying on your client to be the subject matter expert how do you extract all of that to then be able to put on your marketing head and be like, okay, you're going to be better positioned here. And here's why this tool that you created hits that point and makes it a lot easier. Well, and the other big thing that I've realized in building it is removing bias. Um, I've always mm-hmm. talked about like bias and you go into a company and you talk to their salesperson that's been there 15 years and they're going to tell you, this is how our clients think. And this is this. Well, your sample size is only the people you've talked to. AI ignores that. Mm-hmm. We come in and do personas and we gather information from AI and it's using a wide range of different sources and data. And all of a sudden you take it from, you know, the sales guy that comes in and says, I know our customers better than anybody else in the world. And here's what they think. And here's what you should do an ad about. And we know we're all sitting there going, oh yeah, okay, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. AI brings in an ability to take that information, put it in, but then be really unbiased about it, which mm-hmm. I think is super important. That's great. Is So it's interesting because your relaxation time and your ability to kind of just code and riff is seems like continuously 
adding to the business initially with the processes and systems that you're setting up. So for the, let's say the newer marketers that are or like, let's say newer business owners that are listening and starting marketing agencies now, um, tell us about the journey of how it's gone from, you know, you initially loving to code and then how did, you know, what was the journey like for you? I think it's a blessing and a curse in some ways. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a unique set of skills. Like I can code, you know, fortunately I know about a lot of different marketing. I've done strategy and worked with clients on like really high level, like, you know, what are the objectives of the business and core values and positioning. And so unique kind of, you know, mix of things here. Right. Um, but I think the curses, and I always call myself shiny key syndrome person, you know, like that thing, like I mm -hmm. shiny keys going on and it's like, I'm going this way and that way. And so I think for the years that I've been in the business, it's always been trying to like pull that back a little bit because I know it, it's hard. You own an agency and yes, things change and you need to be evolving, but you also need to find a, a working system and, and get into it and like run it. And that's where I kind of fall down is I'm great at the big ideas. I'm great at the initial, like build an MVP. I'm great at, you know, that type of stuff. But then when it comes down to the meat of it, of like execution and, you know, really planning things out, I, I know I'm weak. Right. And so the only way I've been able to build success is to find people that hopefully fill in that gap that can like see things through. Um, but it's still mm. challenging because my shiny key syndrome uh, distracts my team as well as I kind of move from idea to idea. What was your um, what was your first hire? Not instead of like a who, but what like what was the position? Actually, I think the first hire that I had was a programmer. Um and more because I was trying to move out of being execution into being the 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 person going out there and finding business. You know, uh, I don't know if anybody has read E Myth. It was the very first book that I business book that I read, E Myth, um, and it was all about like that bread maker that loves to bake bread, starts a bread business, and then realizes a couple months in that like most of what they do is accounting and hiring and they don't get to do what they're passionate about. But the reality is that is what a, a real business person does. Like if you're a great designer and you decide that you want to open a design agency, if you think that you're going to be designing, you better either find somebody else to lead the company or you better change your whole like personality and outlook. And I kind of had to hit that point at one point where it's like, going from that executor programmer to being able to go do speaking engagements and networking events and sales and all that stuff to really actually turn it into something. I have a, I have a few follow-up questions based on a few things that you guys said, uh, but I, man, I just want to let you guys run because I thought that was incredibly valuable, but uh, you mentioned, you know, when you work on these SaaS or micro SaaS tools that obviously, you know, now integrate into your actual business, you said that you sometimes will enter like this flow state. So my question there is actually, what music do you listen to when you're working? Oh man, I, dude, I am so eclectic. It's like funny. Like 
It could be, I'm listening to this weird uh, right now over and over cover of Amy Winehouse Valerie by like a country band. And then, you know, but then I'll be listening to like Post Malone and then I'll be listening to like, I'm just like way all over the place. But yeah, I do use music. And it's funny that you say that because 20 years ago when I used to design websites and, and did stuff in Flash, I always felt like the sites that I designed and the stuff that I did were based on the song that I was really into while I was doing it. And it like influenced my how I like visualized it. And I always thought that that was like the key finding like the music that fit what you were trying to create and like putting your mind in that space and just going for it. Weird. I that's that's interesting. So I do not when I try to like enter flow state, I actually have a playlist that's like two hours long. Uh, it starts off with like a trigger, I call it, and there's zero words. So I cannot listen to words when I when I work. So I'm, I'm a little opposite there. Um, but it helps me, you know, I, it, the trigger and the and the music because it's the same every time. I like to think, and I'm not a doctor or anything, but that it it tells my brain. It's telling my brain, okay, now you're going into focus mode. This is not other music. This is focus music. Um, so I think it's pretty amazing that you almost do the opposite of that, um, and you find find comfort there. The other question, the other follow up question I had uh, was back on this shiny key syndrome. I thought that was really interesting, and I guess the question I'd like to ask there is, you know. Did you identify that early in life? Did you identify that when, you know, it became a problem? Uh, I'll stop there and I'll ask the second question after. Yeah, I mean, I think I I determined in a couple of years into the business and understanding that, you know, I kept changing direction, you know, what I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. Um, you know, and I think it's a matter of I get bored easily, uh, just that, again, kind of the the personality mindset, but also just new ideas. And every time, like, in this industry, a new innovation comes up, look at AI, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I see what's possible with that. I want to I want to make it happen. Right. And so I think, yeah, a couple years in, I figured it out and, and I've been very open about it. I talked to my team about it. You know, I've I've thought about like how do i have to hire to potentially like reduce that because i i I think it is a blessing because it's led me in some really interesting great directions and i don't think i'd be where i am without it and i don't think i'd have but i also think that it's caused misfires and you know issues in the business with even employees that get a little bit overwhelmed by the what's today look like right um so, I, you know, again, I think it's the, an interesting blessing and curse. I I agree. And, uh, you know, you don't have to respond to this part, but I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have ADHD and I think, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing and where, you know, I wouldn't take it away from me because I think it's who, what made me who I am, but it obviously in the day to day can, can get in the way. So I think you're kind of saying the same thing there. 100%. Uh, have you hired any want to help with that or balance that or anything? Yeah. I mean, I think I have over the years and I've tried to hire different folks. I have one guy that's been with me for a very long time, Matt. Um, and, and I think he pulls me back a little bit. Right. Um, I don't know if you know, entrepreneurial operating system EOS, but they talk about, you've got the, the uh, visionary and you need to get an integrator and the integrators, what really makes things that they're the filter between the visionary and the team 
And so they're going to stop things that shouldn't make it through. They're going to create plans around big ideas and execute on them. I, I, you know, Matt's not quite my integrator yet, but I know at some point I really need to find that person, but they're, they're definitely also a unique personality and a unique type of person. If you want to get the right integrator. Uh, any any like horror stories or anything that you're like you know got in the way of all that or that you're open to sharing uh, from finding an integrator from you needing an integrator and maybe not having one oh yeah i, I well i mean transparently i had there there is a uh laundry list of dead body um <laughs> product ideas and products from my years you know the first one literally in probably 2003 when i started the business was a you know online it was called broken bindings and it was a online used book exchange for college students uh and none of the stuff existed at the time i just you know i started i didn't follow through with it enough you know i've had other ones that i wish i would have you know not had so much shiny key syndrome because I left them a little bit too early. Um, and I'm trying to fix that as I get older and wiser of, you know, slowing that down, making sure I stay on ideas, putting the resources behind it. I mean, there's definitely a lot to talk about there for sure. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, for lack of better transition, there's a question that I've been trying to kind of get in here because when we talked last time, I think you had a lot of good thoughts on it. And don't worry, I'll kind of remind you uh, of, of some of it. But basically, the question is, you know, what made you feel confident right out of college um, that you could start a business? And just to kind of maybe guide you to what you were saying before, uh, you mentioned, you know, the Wiley Coyote and building an airplane after you jump. So um, I really just wanted to kind of get that in here. So if you can kind of talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I've said for years, the, you know, another effect, the Wiley Coyote effect of like, you see those cartoons and he runs off the cliff into the air and he's going until he looks down and realizes there's no ground beneath him, you know? And I think there's a little bit of that in every entrepreneur, but I definitely think it's strong in me of like, just go forward. And as long as you're moving forward and you don't look down, like you are not going to fail. Um, and even in the tough times of the business, which, if you haven't owned a business before, there are sure ups and downs at massive levels. And I do think I've been lucky enough again to maybe have a little bit of that wily coyote of like, okay, yeah, this is a bad day, but I'm going to keep looking forward and I'm going to see it and I'm going to keep running and that's going to keep me going. Um, and that does tie into the whole airplane thing. I, you know, that's a little bit of even that shiny key syndrome, all this stuff really fits together, but there are some people in life that they want to make sure that the airplane's built and tested and safe before they fly in it. And there are some people in life that they're willing to jump off the cliff and figure out how to build it on the way down. Um, and I am definitely the uh, jump and build person um, for sure. Perfect. I, I just, you know, again, I know you mentioned that last time we spoke, uh, but I just wanted to get that into the recording because I think it was really important. A uh, few questions I ask at the end. If you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Oh, man, if I had to teach something to other marketers. Um, man, there's so many things. I'm just going to grab something that we talked about a little bit earlier is removing bias. 
I mean, I do talk about it a lot as like trying to put myself in this mindset of like not knowing what I know and kind of getting childlike. It's funny when I look at websites and designs, I try and like put myself in this like little bit of a childlike mentality of I don't get it. You know, that kid that keeps asking why, 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 you know, um, just from a standpoint of like, that's how people are. They're even if they're super smart, when they're looking at stuff, they're looking at it with half their brain, you know, and they're not paying attention. They're not reading fully. And so, like, I feel like you have to remove that bias of like people care about this or I know so much about it and I'm going to share all that. It's kind of like, I don't know, step back a little bit. Yeah, I'll tie something to that, too, which is I think when people are writing content and stuff, you know, they forget to view it in the other person's eyes. So it's a little bit different, but it's it's related that, you know, you have all that context in your head and you're writing this thing based on like your business. But you have to realize like the person reading has no context at all. And they're probably thinking a totally different way uh, than you are. So slightly different, but I thought it was it was related. No, it's, it's the biggest issue we deal with with our clients is like they think that they know everything. It goes back to that sales guy with 10 years of knowledge thinking that he knows everything. But, exactly. you know, who knows when they're coming to the site, what knowledge they have or don't have or what their bias is about something. And so, you know, being confident that you know what you should say is about as, you know, you know, is such a huge mistake. Ugh, exactly. Um, how can you work with other marketing agencies or what services can you partner with other agencies? I mean, I think at the end of the day, any, you know, I, I do. And over the years of like partnerships, we actually have some with different agencies where they have strengths, you know, especially ones that are stronger in design, but we've got a little bit more of the technology and programming chops behind us. I mean, I think, a lot of agencies out there, they've got their specialty. I think sometimes making sure that you realize what your specialty is and being able to admit, like, I need to bring somebody else in for this or not is is probably the biggest barrier to get over. Um, but when you do, you can find really great relationships out there. Yeah, no, that's and that's something that we're kind of building with with the podcast as well. Uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Yeah, I mean, we're always hiring at the end of the day for me right now we really need uh, a couple folks on the execution side it, it's funny as i've i've done the business finding that person that like um kind of loves to execute every day and not move into strategy but like has gotten really good at whether it's paid advertising or email but always looking for good folks that like have that level of expertise and are willing to get their hands dirty every day yeah, I, I call that uh, working in the business, not just working on the business, I think. Or, or usually I say it the other way around, but I think what you just said is you want people working in the business. Um, last question, any book or podcast recommendations? I mean, I love my uh, behavioral psychology podcasts and stuff like that. I'm a huge behavioral psychology person. So you're 99% invisible, things into radio lab. Um you know, all, all of those different ones in there. I, I mean, I think understanding behavior, understanding psychology of people is the foundation of everything. Marketing, sales, negotiation, it doesn't matter. And so understanding humans is is extremely important. I like that ancillary answer to marketing. That's good. 
Um, and as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah, I mean, they can find me at insibia.com, uh, I-N-S-I-B-I-A.com, and our new product, frictionless.insibia.com, uh, is free. People can sign up and just use it without paying. I mean, there's a lot of cool features uh, in there. And then obviously find me on LinkedIn and connect, uh, Andy Helco. So. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who have learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality of guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Andy, I knew I would love this episode and I did. I thought it was great and we hit so many topics. Thank you. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.